Um, as, as Jess just said, we uh, started a series this month about oneness, um, about being one. This morning, I want to speak about being one. Really, what I'm saying is about being one with God, but uh, I've called it being one with the blessing. Do you really believe that God has blessed you and wants to bless you? Do you really believe that? Do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you really believe that God wants to bless you? Because if you don't believe that yet, then you're going to struggle to receive what God already has done for you. So we some work through some things in my mind. Ephesians 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Praise be to God. This is Paul writing to encourage the church. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who's us? Us. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, anyone who believes in Jesus and chooses to trust Jesus, gets this blessing. So if you're here this morning listening online or you've got questions, you've not put your faith in Jesus yet, you can put your faith in Jesus and be a part of what God has for you. It's a blessing. He says he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Everything you ever needed for life has to give to you. Do you believe that this morning? Whatever you're facing, God wants to give you resource, equip you so that you can be an overcomer. Just like Jesus overcame this world, God wants to empower every one of us so that we too can overcome this world like Jesus overcame. Do you believe that this morning? Do we? Do we really? Does anybody have any doubts now and again? Or is it just me? Especially when things aren't going the way I wanted them to go. And I want to share from a, a, a scripture in a minute from Joshua chapter 2. And it's this story, the encounter with Joshua, what's happened is here, Joshua is leading the people of God and they're going to the promised land. They're going to a land that God has blessed them with. He's already promised them a land where they can go to. Now that blessing has come all the way. It was promised to Adam in the beginning. God blessed Adam that he would be fruitful, he would multiply, and he would have dominion over all the earth. Then Adam messes up, as most of us have read the story, and the curse enters, sin enters. So Adam loses who he is. He, he loses his relationship to a point with God. He doesn't really know who he is. He's confused. And then we see Noah. Noah comes along after the flood. God blesses Noah again. And then people mess up again. And then he comes to a man called Abram. And he calls Abram out of a world into a promised land. He says, I want you to come out. So he calls Abram out of the world and into a new place called Canaan. And he's on this journey, and on the journey, God blesses him and says, you will be blessed, Abraham. He renames him Abraham. You will be blessed. And he says, you will be blessed. Your nation will be blessed. And through you, Abraham, every nation will be blessed. So through the seed of Abraham, actually, not through Abraham, but the seed that will come through Abraham that we know today is Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, everyone will be blessed. Anybody put the faith in Jesus? So that proves that blessing that was promised to Abraham, not just a land that was flowing with milk and honey that was bountiful, but something greater after Canaan would come, his name is Jesus. And anybody who puts their faith in Jesus, every spiritual blessing will come to you this morning 
and forevermore. How good is that? So that's a little bit of background. So we're coming to Joshua, and Joshua's been called to lead these people to the promised land. And they're at the Jordan River singing that this morning about he split the sea. Just reminded me of the Red Sea that God rescues them out of Egypt. But he also takes them through the Jordan Sea. And the Jordan Sea is, the, is basically, for us today, that's the place of decision. Do I put my faith in God or not? Do I follow Jesus? It, it symbolizes trusting God and being baptized or surrendering your life and Jesus resurrecting you and giving the new life, the blessed life. So the Jordan River symbolizes the washing, the cleansing, the decision to put your faith in Jesus for us today. And they're about then to go into the promised land and they say this, They said to Joshua, the people speaking, the Lord has surely given us the whole lands into our hands. So God's not holding it back. God's saying it's all yours. The whole land, the whole blessing, everything that God has for you is yours. It says all the people were melting in fear. You know, Exodus 33, when he speaks to Moses previously, God says to Moses, It says, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give. Here's the promise again. I will give you. It says, and I will send my angel before you and will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, and all the other ites. So God's saying, I've given you a blessing But when you go to this land, this place of blessing, there are some things that you're going to have to drive out in order to fully experience peace in your land, to fully experience the blessing of God. There are some things that you have to drive out. Because if you don't drive them out, if you compromise with them, then they will overtake your life. You will begin to worship some things and devote your time to things that actually will rob you of actually the blessing that God has for you. It actually says when they, 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 they compromised with the Canaanites and they began to take some of their culture on and lose their identity of who they were as the people of God. It actually said there's some really powerful kings that, that we see ruling and, and some of these kings, they do really well, but sometimes they don't take down the things it says from the high places. They don't take these false gods down and eventually what happens is they worship them and that culture permeates into them. And some of those gods, you know, some of the, their, their, their devotion, the things that they demanded were not very nice. You know, the God of Baal, the God of Molech, these obvious gods that were clearly in the Old Testament, they asked for children to be sacrificed. These are clearly not gods that you want to worship, are they? Yet they compromised with them and gave in to them and it robbed them of the fullness of what God wanted for them. And you say, well, that's the Old Testament, Paul. That's obvious. You could see the things that were put up high and, you know, to remind them and what they should worship. For us today, we don't really have that. What do we have today? 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church says this. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh and do not war, war according to the flesh, for our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. So in other words, we're not fighting each other like Joshua had to go and fight out and get rid of those enemies. We're not doing that anymore. We're actually doing the opposite. We're forgiving our enemies and loving them. So we're not fighting against each other. But he says this, they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing. So there are some things that can be in our life or in this world that are high, that are above God. 
if we allow them to be there. Just like the Canaanites had their false gods, they worshipped them. Now, what do false gods do? False gods demand your attention. They demand your devotion. They demand your thinking, your energy, your time. Your, before you know it, you can give your devotion, your emotions, your thoughts, and then your actions to do what they want you to do. Is this making sense? Do you have any false gods this morning? I'm sure you think you don't, but I've realized I do. Because I have got things in my life that if I'm not careful, it has my time, it has my attention. It competes for my devotion. Are you still with me this morning? This is good news, by the way, because hopefully in a minute you'll recognize some of the gods that you might worship and realize that actually they don't bless you. They only take take you on a temporary fix and they don't fulfill you or satisfy you. So hopefully I'm going to highlight some false gods that we put above the word of God in our lives. He's still my friend this morning. Here's the first one. Just bear with me on this because it doesn't sound very nice at first. And you might think, well, this is not what the Bible says. But just bear with me on this. The God of family. The God of family. Do you know this God? Do you know the God of family? Do you know there's a God that we worship of who promises something if we have the perfect family. If I just have that relationship, then I'll be happy. Do you know that one? Has anybody come across him? Then my life will be happy. We've all gone quiet. Is this just me who makes these things up in my head? If, if, I, if, if I wasn't single anymore and, and someone just loved me, then I'd be happy. Does anybody know this one? Was it just me who searched, searched the seas and the seven oceans and everything else to find the woman who will satisfy me. He's still my friend. What I'm talking about is an ideology that there's a perfect family, there's a perfect person, there's a perfect relationship, there's a perfect job, there's something that you're pursuing, an ideology that doesn't exist, and we put it above God. Now, when God gave the Ten Commandments, did he say, love your family? There is one family. No, he said, love God's. There's one God, don't have any idols. And then he says, honor your mother and father. He didn't put family number one. He put himself number one. Why? Why do we need to put God number one? Because if we put God number one, we'll love our family anyway. Because when it's not the perfect family, God says love them anyway. When the, when the kids mess up and leave home and they reject you, you say, well, I'll love them anyway because God's first in my life. Because love overcomes, love wins. But if I have the perfect ideology of family and how my kids or my wife or all of this should behave, what am I doing? I'm putting it above the word of God. I'm devoting my energy and my frustration. I'm, I'm dissatisfied with this relationship because it's not giving me what I wanted. Well, it won't. Because it's a lie. Don't put all your hope in a person. Put all your hope in God and God alone. Are you still with me? So does God love family? Absolutely. Is family amazing? Absolutely. Can we be happy in family? Absolutely. But not if it's the highest thing. Are you still with me? Am I making sense? If you put God top, then I'll guarantee, not saying it's going to be easy in your family, but I'll guarantee you'll win. Because God wins every time. Because love wins every time. Because love doesn't give in. Love keeps going, love perseveres in those relationships. So like I said, God loves family. You know, Jesus on the cross dying, what does he say to John? Look after my mom. 
he was not interested in family, his greatest concern when he's being crucified on a cross was his family. To love his mother, make sure she was looked after. You know, families are broken. Families are messed up. You know, people get rejected. People get divorced. People get hurt. Does that mean now my life has failed because I'm divorced? Does it mean my life is at an end and I'll never have a, have a happy life again because my mother and father rejected me and I'm no longer wanted? Does that mean there's no hope for me and I'm going to be dissatisfied all my life? But when we put God first... He says, you'll no longer be forsaken. You'll no longer be rejected. You are my beloved and I am yours. If you come to me, you will find satisfaction in me and renewal in me and I will restore you and put you back, give you a hope and a future and I will not harm you. But if you live fixated on creating the perfect world and family, it will not exist. You know, devote yourself to loving your family and wanting a happy and content and a family in order, but make sure that you don't spend all of your time looking for something that won't exist. It is not there. It's a falsehood. Is this okay? Are you with me? Is it helpful? So watch out for the God of family. Second one, the God of beauty. The God of beauty. Does anybody worship this God? Apparently, excuse me, this is, this is not in any way sexist. Apparently, ladies, you spend on average 400 to 500 pound a year on beauty products. Is that true? No. Is that true, ladies? All the blokes are going, more than that. <laughs> we spend about £8.50, and all of that's on deodorants. Oh, and a razor, and usually you use the razor as well. Someone else does. That's all we do. We're cheap, we, us blokes. We perspire stuff that smells good. We think we do. But, you know, is there a God of beauty? I think there is, and he knows this, because it's all over the media, it's all over everywhere. You know, when I was growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, there was an advert, right, called Tango. Ta you know Tango the drink? Sorry, you know, they're not called Tango. There was a drink, there's a drink called Tango. Does anybody remember this advert? I'm showing my age. What they used to do is they'd be walking down the street, and they had this can of Tango, and they drank the can of Tango, and they drank it, right? And as they drank it, there became a change in the body. And all of a sudden, they'd be went, boom, they were orange, and they'd say, he's been tangoed. You know, I'm living in a world today, everyone's drinking tango. Everywhere I go, they're tangoed. The girls, they're tangoed. Everybody's drinking tango. Have you seen them? Tango. It's cool to be tangoed now. It was like an odd thing back then. Everybody's being tangoed. What's that? It's the God of beauty. If I'm not tangoed, I'm not beautiful. If I, haven't got, if I haven't got the right hairstyle, then I'm not loved. And I think this, I think the God of beauty works with the God of comparison. And the God of comparison works with the God of envy. And the God of envy begins to rot you if you're not careful. So watch out for the God of beauty. Proverbs 30, verse 31 says this, Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. It is, it's fleeting. It fades. I don't know if you've realized, but your beauty is fading. Sorry if you sell beauty products in here, maybe they need more beauty products in here. 
I'm not trying to do you out of business. I, I may be increasing your business a bit more. I need more beauty products. My beauty's fading. <gasps> do I look all right? I've got another crease. Beauty's fading. I'll tell you, I, I don't know if you do this, right? This is the God of beauty worship. You ready? You, you go around, see your, your, your nan or your, or your great aunt, it's, and they pull out the photographs, and they look back and they go, look at me at my wedding. Wasn't I beautiful? Who does that? Well, you get one when you were 15 and you were slim and you had hair and you were tango naturally. And you go, look how good looking I was. What's that? It's the God of beauty. Are you no longer beautiful? Who does that? Is it just me? I look back at the old photos. Look how I used to, I was beautiful back then. That's the God of beauty. Because if it's fading and we worship it, it's fading. It might have products at the beginning. It might have products in the middle, but it doesn't have a product at the end. Because the God of beauty cannot fulfill its promise. It is fleeting. It's fading. It's dying. Does that mean I can't be beautiful anymore? Of course you can. I know many 95-year-old ladies that I've come across who are so beautiful. Yes, their beauty is fading on the outside, but on the inside, they're becoming more and more beautiful every day. That's the hope that we have in him, not in the God of beauty. The God of beauty fades, but the God of hope never fades. And when we gaze upon him and his beauty, we'll realize how beautiful we are in him. Not in this world, not in what the Instagram, the whatever kind of media promises of how you should look and what you should be and what mold you should fit into. It's fleeting, guys. But the God of hope is not fleeting. He's never ending. He's got a product for the beginning. He's got a product for the middle. He's got a product for the end and a product forever. That's who you want to get your products off. In the meantime, go get your beauty products off everybody in the room who sells them, right? But my point, did you hear the point? The God of heaven isn't fading. His spiritual blessings are not being taken away as you age. They're actually increasing as you learn more about them. You're growing in beauty. Yeah, my body's fading. Well, stop looking at it. Look at the God of heaven who isn't fading. David says this. He says this in Psalm, it's not up here. He says this in Psalm 37. He says, delight also in the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is this, don't poo-poo all that stuff. Oh, I'm not going to wear beauty products anymore or make myself look good. No, go to the spa, hang out, wear what you want to wear. But make sure you do this, delight thyself in the Lord also. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a balance. Don't just go pursuing the path of beauty, think it's going to give you something and satisfy you because it won't. Pursue the God who is beautiful and I'll tell you what you'll find like David says. David says in Psalm 27, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon his beauty. Because if you gaze upon his beauty and realize how beautiful he is, it will begin to permeate and you'll realize the beauty and the love he has for you. And then you'll realize how beautiful you are, not in you, but in him. Because you're no longer born of the world if you're in faith. You're born of God. And as a child of God, you're beautiful. Woohoo! You are beautiful in his sight this morning. He delights in you. It says in Isaiah 42, he says he delights in you. He says you're no longer forsaken. You're no longer abandoned. But he says you are Hepzibah. Hepzibah, what does it mean? My delight is in you. My delight is in you, God says this morning. Not because what you've done. You're not devoting yourself to this God. He's devoting himself to you. 
You, you, you're not going after a false God or religion where you say, if I offer these sacrifices, will I be right with God? No, God offered the sacrifice for you. It's the other way around. And if you'll just grasp what he's offered you, he's given you the products. He's given you the beauty products. You just need to come to him and receive, believe the spiritual blessing that's yours and receive it as you pursue him and you'll realize how beautiful you are. Some of you ladies, you are so beautiful in the sight of God. You are Hepzibah in him. In you, he delights. Then he actually says, Beulah. In other words, he says, you are married to me. In other words, he says this, you are one with me. If you are in Jesus this morning, you are one with me. You are del- I am delighted with you because you have put your faith in Jesus and I am very delighted with Jesus this morning. And you are in Jesus by faith. So if you're in Jesus who God is delighted with, then God is delighted with you. Not because what you do, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. See the difference? That is liberating. That does not wear you out. That is what Jesus has already done. He's done the sacrifice. He's done the devotion. All you do now is thank God for what he's done and receiving by faith. It's liberating. So the God of family, the God of beauty. And the next one is this, is the God of comfort. (laughs) How much time, energy, do we spend trying to be comfortable? Does anybody pursue this, God? Does anybody cut corners? (laughs) Come on, can we be honest? Who goes for the easy path? One one person's put their hand up. That wasn't easy for you, was it? Come on. How many want the easy road? Come on. Every one of us. Who wants the comfortable path? Who wants God to remove all the obstacles so it's all easy flowing? You know, just go with the flow. No problems, no challenges, no kid issues, no relationship issues. You know, I just... I just find the God of comfort, wrap myself in my blanket and hide away because I'm pursuing. I've got to be, I've got to be at peace. I've got to be, you know, out of these circumstances. I'm pursuing the God of comfort. Anybody else pursue this or is it just me? The easy option. The plain sailing. We're designed for comfort, are we not? I got you a question. Who's the most powerful? When I was at school, they used to tell this story in assembly. I, when, I, when I became a teacher, I actually told this story, and teachers still tell it today. It's the story, the battle between the wind and the sun. Does anybody remember that? Who was the most powerful, the wind or the sun? And it's a story about an old man, and he's walking down the street, and he's got a hat on and a coat on, and he's wrapped up, and, he's, and the wind says to the sun, I'm more powerful, and the sun says, no, I'm more powerful. So the wind begins to blow, and the man keeps holding on to his clothes and his hat, and the wind's getting cross because he can't get rid of the clothes. And then the sun says, well, watch me. He just beams the old heat down there, and the man starts taking his hat off, and he's carrying like, look, I've won. I've got you a question. Who's the most powerful God, the God of beauty or the God of comfort? Put your hands up if you think the God of comfort. Put your hand up if you think the God of beauty. I think you're pretty right. I'm going to prove it to you. Two years ago, you would never have found women shopping in their tracksuit bottoms. Jarmers. Put your hands up if you've been in the shop in your jarmers in lockdown. 
Ooh, it's just a little finger. I saw one little finger and he went back down. Put your hand up if you've been the shop in your tracksuit bottoms. Look, it's happening. Why? Because beauty's fading. It's fading, beauty is, and we've realized that. So where do we go? The God of comfort. I want my tracksuit bottoms on. I'm all comfortable, stay at home. Plain sailing, comfortable, wrap myself in cotton wool, don't want to get hurt, stay away from problems, stay away from challenges, I'll avoid them, I'll back off, I just want easy sailing. Anybody else worship the God of comfort? And we spend lots of time and energy thinking, how can, I, how can I control things? How can I make things easy? How can I make life easy for myself? It's not what God wants. God never promises comfort, as in easy sailing. He actually says you'll have many challenges, Jesus says. But then he says, I'll never leave you though. I'm with you in this. And I'll send you someone who will comfort you in it all. So he promises to comfort you and he promises to be with you through everything. You know, I don't know about you, but I know I can go for easy options. This is what I feel, church. This is what I feel the challenge. Even myself in this lockdown, I found myself going for the life of re- least resistance. Just, just I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to do church. I don't want to come in the building anymore. I don't want to face people anymore. I, I don't want to do that anymore because I've retreated back to this isolation and I'm really struggling. And I know there's fear and I know there's challenges. But this is what I feel God saying to me. Paul, you've got to get out of that chair of comfort. Because this is what comfort does. It promises things, but it doesn't deliver You put things off. They're not going to be off, Paul. They're going to be there to face in the future. It's deceptive, Paul. You've got to get out of your chair of comfort, Paul, and begin to go down paths of resistance. Because actually resistance, what it does is it actually changes you. It challenges you. It molds you. It shapes you. And we're looking for a world that needs hope. And hope is only formed when you go through things. Hope is only formed when you persevere. Hope is only formed when your character has changed and you come through the other side and say, wow, we came through this. Can you believe it? And God's saying, come on, come on, Paul. I don't want your church to be comfortable. I want your church to be a a church that comes out of comfort and serves me. Because love, if you go for comfort, you won't deal with anything. All you're dealing with is your own selfishness. The root of my ideology is self. The root of sex, if you're not careful, the God of, is self. The root of money can be self. It's all to do with me, my, what I want. But the God of heaven isn't selfish. And the God of heaven isn't consumed with himself. He's consumed with others. And as we work to find out what he's truly like, we'll discover a love that is not selfish, but is selfless. That's what God wants to teach us. My last point is this, is to be one with the God who is love. Not with those other gods. You know, they're going to they're gonna demand your attention. They're going to look and, and ask and knock on your door. But this is the door we should be knocking on. The God who is love. Because if we knock on the God who is love, we'll realize that actually we're comfortable in our own skin. We don't need anybody else's skin. We're simply comfortable in our own skin. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this. 
in him, Jesus. We have redemption through his blood upon us. Why is this so important? Why is understanding what Jesus did on the cross, why is the redemption of our lives and the blood of Jesus so important? I'll tell you why. It's this. Because God understands what we need fundamentally. He understands, you know, if you're going to go for, a, for, a, for a, a makeover, I mean, I'm not trained on this, I've got to be honest, but maybe I ask some of you ladies, what's the first thing you do when you have a makeover? Help me out. Go on. Clean. You need your cleanser. You don't put the stuff on top of the stuff, do you? Help me out here, ladies, because I'm not trained at this, right? Give me a nod. I can't see smiles, but give me a nod. You, you do the cleansing thing first, don't you? Why? Because it gets rid of the dirt. It, it, it gets rid of the stuff that shouldn't be there. It, it makes you, it gives you a fresh palate to work on. It actually strips back the dirt to see who you really are. And some of us, we don't like that because we don't want to be naked or we don't want to be seen. But actually, this is what God does. God strips back the dirt and washes it and says, this is who you are and this is what I love. And this is who God wants to show you who you are. You are washed in the blood of Jesus. You are cleansed. You are whiter than white. There is no blemish in you this morning. You're blessed because of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus wash off the deceit of this world. That you're not loved. You're not cherished. You're not wanted. Lies. You are in my family, God says. You are a child. You are born of my family. You are accepted. You are loved. You are beautiful. I have chosen you. I have put my delight in you. You are mine this morning. And I am yours. Being one with God is the greatest thing that we can ever do. It should be the highest thing we do. Because out of that, everything else comes. You know, we're celebrating Pentecost this morning. It says they were one together in one place. And as they were in one place, what happens? The Holy Spirit was poured out. The power of God was poured out. It would wash them. It would cleanse them. They would realize that they are now empowered. They're empowered with power. They're empowered with love. And they're empowered with a sound mind. Woo! This is who we are. I want you to declare this morning that this is who you are. You're a child of God. And maybe you've got some things that have had your attention. I want to say this to you. Joshua, right? When he went into the land, God said to him, wherever you put your foot, it will be yours. And sometimes what we have to do is say, I'm listening to falsehoods. It's time to put your foot down. My mum used to say that to me, Dad. Keith, put your foot down, will you? Put your foot down. Put your foot down. Don't listen to the lies. Put your foot on the word of God that is secure, is never ending. This beauty product will last forever and ever and ever and ever. It's not fading. The word of God does not fade. You are a child of God. You are loved this morning. And I've run out of time. We're going to sing the song, No Longer Slaves. We're not slaves to the God of beauty. We're not slaves to the God of comfort. We're not slaves to the God of family. We're not even slaves to the God of substances or sex or money. We're owned by God. 
and God alone. You know, and Jesus, Jesus is able to do this in your life. He's able to help you drive these things out. Drive these negative thoughts out. Take them down so that you can live in the fullness of what God has for you. You can lo- live in the love of God, the peace of God, the joy. The joy of knowing Jesus is yours. The doubt, let him pull those things down and receive the fullness of what God has for you. Because in him, there is fullness of joy. There is complete satisfaction. My dad used to sing that song. You can't get no, oh, yes, you can. You're wrong, dad. You can get satisfaction in him. It's available through faith in Jesus this morning. So I'm going to pray. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, he offers the forgiveness of sins. He offers to redeem you. What does that mean? Put you back to your original condition wash you from the inside out so that you can say, I'm right with God this morning. Not by what you do, that'll wear you out. That's religion, by what God has done for you. You accept it and receive it. That's a pretty good promise. We'd be fools to refuse it, would we not? We've all been fools. We've all refused it and tried it in our own strength. God is offering forgiveness of sins this morning and forevermore. He's offering to wash you whiter than snow and say that you are my children this morning. So Father, we pray this morning. We declare over each person who's here, who's listening online, that Jesus, you offer the forgiveness of sins. And Father, I pray this morning, as everyone listens, I pray that you would refresh them this morning. You would remind them again, no matter what's gone on, the disappointments of life, the the falsehoods that they've pursued, Lord, as they come to you, I would just remind them of how much contentment they can find in you. Father, we pray for your peace this morning. Holy Spirit, comfort those who are mourning. Be their comfort in their pain and their suffering. Maybe their bodies are failing and fading and it's difficult, it's challenging. But God, you are the God of comfort. You are the God of hope. And I pray this morning that you would fill them. You would remind them of your word, that your word is everlasting, that you do not fail us. You do not fade, Lord. You are the true God of beauty. So Lord, we just gaze upon you, Jesus, this morning. And we declare that we are children of God. Amen.